literally weaving people together. When people come to that event, it's like they know who the others are. That's mm-hmm. a, that's fascinating. And that's also definitely the most effective way to change minds is to hear people that you trust talking about it rather than you know hearing a message come from on high or a public ser- service announcement. It's going to be someone talking about giving a heat bump and it working really well. The other thing people can do is we're always looking for groups to present with. So um, we present in neighborhood associations, faith communities, Earth Day events, um, all sorts of groups, employee groups, these employees. Um, if you are part of a group that would love to have a visit from us, let us know. Now I'm going to ask that question. Eli, where will PDX be? Where will our city be in 20 years, do you think? Pull out your crystal ball, do it. Well, we'll be awfully close to being a combustion-free city, um, which will be exciting because less air pollution, less noise, um, healthier homes, healthier streets. Um, So that's one thing in this energy world I I really look forward to. Um, You think back in years, you know, cities past where you had all kinds of soot and pollution, um, from coal burning and homes and gas lights. And we have the, all the technology to be past that right now, but it's going to take a couple decades to get there. So that's what, one thing. What do you think, Shannon? What would you like to see? Oh, I would love to see um, a car-free city or a city that's just not so car-centric with a lot less traffic. I think that would be a part of that beautiful transition away from, away from carbon and away from fossil fuels would just be to make our communities a lot more livable and walkable. I want a pony. I want a <laughs> pony community. Anyway, I, I'm joking. I want to thank you both for being here. Our guests, Eli Spivak and Shannon Wilson from Electrify PDX. They're helping people convert their homes away from natural gas to all electric utilities. Find out more online at electrifypdx.org. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks so much for hosting. For KBU. I'm Lisa Loving. You're listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM and streaming online at kboo.fm. Friday, March 1st at 8 p.m., KBOO makes everything metal. It's the Metal March, a special benefit show for KBOO Community Radio, featuring 10 hours of brutality from your favorite KBOO metal programs, Oil for Kisses, The Metal Margin, The Last Hour, and Pandemonium, plus the return of former hosts of Heavy Metal Vomit Party. March 4th and support metal on KBOO. Text KBOO to 44321 or go to kboo.fm give to donate and tune in to the Metal March Marathon on KBOO. Friday, March 1st at 8 p.m. through Saturday, March 2nd at 6 a.m., metal takes over the airwaves for the Metal March Marathon. Only on your community radio station, KBOO Portland. This is Cesar Chavez. You're listening to KBOO, listener-sponsored radio. To you, the nine-to-fiver, just making your way home. To you, the all-night driver, out in your cab alone. To you, waiting for lunch break. As the minutes drag so slow, take courage, turn the volume up, it's Labor Radio. Good evening and welcome to Labor Radio of the Working Class, by the Working Class, for the Working Class. I'm Jamie Partridge, your host. Our topic is Portland Community College Federation of Classified Employees Strike Ready. Our guests this evening are 
Meryl DePasquale, De Vice President of Communications for PCCFCE, and Briar Schreiber, a Sylvia Sylvania campus representative. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. It's good to be here. Uh, the PCC Federation of Classified Employees represents 700 non-teaching workers at 11 different PCC locations. So tell our listeners about the types of jobs that your members do. Either one of you want to kick it off and be fine. Sure. Um, all of the things that you can think of that happen behind the scenes at a school or a community college in this case is really the the, the the um, classified employees, so the people who drive the shuttle buses, the people who serve the food in the cafeteria, the people who are keeping all the hallways and classrooms clean, um, the people in IT, a lot of the office workers, um, all of the assistants in different areas who are making sure that students are getting directed to the right areas and that classes are scheduled and events are scheduled at the right times. All of those individuals and more are, are, are classified workers. I know I'm forgetting so many because we're a very diverse group. Meryl, you could probably name Mahar. Oh, I'll try. I guess we also have um, groundskeepers, public safety officers, um, plumbers, like basically all the people that keep the college running. Wow. Well, so before we get into your struggles for a union contract, Tell our listeners about yourselves. What kind of job do you do at PCC, and, and why did you get active in the union? Yeah, so I work in IT. I'm a cybersecurity specialist in the area of risk, and most of my job consists of, you know, all those different, like, privacy policies that we all click I agree on. For the college, I make sure that we actually agree with it, and they're not going to, like, sell all of the students' information to some other company. Um, we want to make sure that all of that is kept safe. We, that no one wants their um, data to end up in some like scam phone call list. Um, so my job day to day um, involves that. All right. And why did you get active in the union? Oh, that's a great question. So I have always been interested in uh, in, in labor and organizing. Growing up, my stepdad was a um, teamster. He worked at um, UPS. Um, his whole life, he worked as a package handler, and he was able to support our entire family off of those wages, and he just retired recently and is living very comfortably from that. Um, and now we see that a lot of those types of jobs, when they aren't unionized, um, it's very hard for individuals to support a family and to have the same sort of opportunities that he did. So throughout my entire life, I have wanted to be a part of any labor organizing that's going on. And being in the current work that I do, it was just natural to help out wherever I had skills and ability to help out. All right. Meryl, what kind of job do you do and why did you get active in the union? Sure. Um, so I am a senior office assistant in the Office of International Student Services. So I work with international students. Um, we make sure that we help them come to the U.S. Um, to study here at PCC. We bring the world to PCC. Um, and we also make sure that they have advice about how to maintain their visas and stay in status while they're here. Um, and then we kind of provide the wraparound of everything, every kind of student services that they might need. Um, I work a lot with our student employees, um, making sure that their hiring paperwork is done and their timesheets and things like that. Um, and I do also a lot of the budgeting for my department. So I really enjoy working with international students. It's, it's very energizing. Um, they're very open to new experiences and they're really excited to be here. And it, it's just wonderful. It's such a gift. 
Um, my mother was a public school teacher, so I had a union background growing up. Um, but what made me transition from just being your average dues paying member to being a leader in our union was the pandemic. Like I found myself feeling pretty isolated and it seemed like a lot of big decisions were being made behind closed doors and <laughs> employees were not given much say or insight into those decisions. And so I felt, um, I felt very, I felt it was very necessary to start speaking up in that space and through our union. And it's given me a sense of belonging and purpose. And so I feel really grateful for the other folks that I work with. So we've just been joined by my co-host, Laura Watlin. Hey, Laura. Hi, Jamie. Hey, hey Marilyn Breyer. Yeah. Hey. Go ahead, Laura. So your union is affiliated with the American Federation of Teachers, like my union, PCCFAP. Your constitution states that you will work with other education workers and members of this organization's affiliates to promote the general welfare of the working people. What does that mean to you? I have a really fun story about this. And Laura, you're partially familiar with the start of this, but for all the listeners, back in the beginning of fall, there's an event that happens at PCC called the in-service, which is meant to bring all of the faculty and all of the classified workers together and re-energize us for the year and really celebrate all of us. And that's changed over the last few years. And this past year, our president made it a lot about a celebration about her administration. And she also claimed that she could define what solidarity was. And so in response to that, I that didn't sit right with me. And I felt like I needed to respond to our members about what solidarity actually is and not the literal encyclopedia or dictionary definition. I don't remember which one she read on the stage. And so what I told our members is that solidarity means something completely different to me. When I think about the solidarity that I have with other workers, it's the fact that we share similar struggles. We have to face that there is a management class that can decide what our job prospects are, if we can work, when we can work, when we can take a break to go to the bathroom. Management doesn't have those same types of, of um, oversight over them. They don't share those same struggles. So when I see other workers who are struggling to buy gas, to buy food, I'm sharing in those same struggles. And while I might not have everything in common with the other workers that are out there, and they might not have everything in common with me, we share those struggles and fighting together and our power coming together is solidarity. And that's what this means to me when we say that we work with these other organizations. It's that material solidarity that we show through our common struggle. That's beautiful, Briar. Yeah, I don't know if I can add to that very much other than just to say that it means that we're not alone. Like we're part of the Oregon and labor community and we're connected to other folks. So we have this amazing opportunity to see what other unions are doing, be inspired by them, support them, and and just kind of feed that whole cycle. And it's been wonderful. Right. So your union's been in negotiations for a new contract for quite a while. So what are the issues that are at the forefront of your contract campaign? Those that are most widely and deeply felt by your members? Sure. Um, yeah, so we have been in negotiations for over a year. Our contract expired in July. Um, so it's been long and hard so far. <laughs> um, so 
I think that short staffing is an issue that's really impacting our classified employees a lot. I Our custodians at Slovenia have only half the amount of staff that they had before the pandemic, but they're expected to clean the same amount of space. Um, so classified employees are getting really burnt out. Um, a lot of them are working two, three, or four jobs in it, like the equivalent of that because these vacancies are going unfilled. Um, and part of the reason the vacancies are going unfilled is because the pay is too low. They haven't kept up with inflation. Um, our lowest pay classified employees can make more working at Amazon or McDonald's or Walmart. And so how can they fill these positions and why would people stick around? Um, and so that is impacting us all a lot, I would say. Another issue is um, we have annual step increases or raises, um, but in our contract, they withhold them while we're bargaining a new contract. And since our contract expired in July, our members haven't gotten their annual step increase, um, and that's really been a hardship. You have others, other issues to add to that, Briar, that are like forefront in the struggle? The three top issues that we're really focused on, and Meryl touched on two of them, and the other one is, is really connected. They're the monetary issue. Obviously, inflation is affecting everyone. And then with uh, not getting our step increases and new uh, costs coming in, such as the Oregon Paid Family Medical Leave Act, which is a great act in my opinion, but we're also having to carry some of the costs of that ourselves, so it's coming out of our paychecks. So we're actually making less money um, in our take-home pay than we were last year which with all the inflation going on, that's pretty hard to, to um, stomach. And then we also have the issue of job security, um, as Meryl also pointed out. Um, that is another uh, connected piece where can we retain people in these jobs? Can we get new people in to make sure that they're filled? And then that connects to the third piece that we're really fighting for, which is just equity. That's something that the college says that they fight for but they haven't been able to give us a definition that we can put into our contract to ensure that classified employees are, are treated equally. Um, that all of our members are treated and valued the way that they should be and the, what the mission and values of the college say that they, that they should be able to attain. Yeah, well said. The healthcare premiums also haven't kept up very well. So it seems like the college increasingly is passing down like higher healthcare costs to their employees. Recently, your union has been doing marches and rallies at the four major campuses of PCC, Rock Creek, Sylvania, Cascade, and Southeast. I attended a couple of those personally. They were wonderful, very exciting. Um, and you're also asking your members to sign a strike pledge. So what's brought you to this point? A lot of it is time. We have been negotiating this contract for over a year now. We've been out of our, la our, our last contract expired in July. And so we've been out of contract since that time and we're still negotiating. As I um, said earlier, our um, step increases still haven't gone through and we have these extra costs that we're paying. So our take home pay has actually gone down. And that is resulting in sort of a breaking point for a lot of individuals. There's individuals who have not been able to continue to work at the college because they needed to eat, they needed to um, survive, and these changes aren't coming through. One area that I think is kind of striking is with our custodial staff at the Sylvania campus. In order to be fully staffed, it, it, it takes 
uh, um, 30 people in those positions to to cover all of that. And at the last count, I believe there were 13 individuals in there covering for all of those 30 positions, having to take on more jobs than they normally would, and try and having to do a job that no one could be expected to complete. And then when that happens, the classrooms the hallways, the different areas that need to be kept clean and sanitary, especially as we're still recovering from a pandemic that's ongoing, in order to keep those spaces safe, there aren't enough people there to support the individuals doing it. And the individuals who are working so hard in those custodial positions aren't getting the recognition that they deserve. And how long can the college and our community expect that to keep up until the breaking point gets even worse? So we're having these rallies, we're having the strike pledge, because we know that once there is that breaking point, that's going to really be a huge burden on all of the students, on the community at large, if we aren't able to serve them. And that's something that all of the classified employees know that we are dangerously close to that. And having these events can be very fun, but also I work at the community college because I believe in the mission that's there but I can't continue to uphold that mission if I don't have enough money to eat. Eating is going to come before the mission that happens at my work. Um, that is why I think we're at this point now where we're asking members to sign the M-Strike Pledge and we're seeing this increased motivation to try to get this done after, again, six months of being out of contract. Yeah, and I would say that at the very beginning of bargaining, I think that a lot of classified employees might have been ready to assume good intentions and to be patient and trust the process and stuff like that, but they've also been observing our bargaining sessions and they see how dysfunctional it is and they see how we're not making any progress or getting anywhere and how management is treating us. And then they reach out and say, when are we going on strike? This is ridiculous. We don't deserve this. They don't respect our rights. You've just tuned in. You're listening to KBOO Portland Labor Radio. We're interviewing today Meryl Despequale, Vice President of Communications for PCCFCE, and Briar Schreiber, a, a Sylvia, Sylvania campus representative for the Portland Community College Federation of Classified Employees. Strike ready. If you like the show and you'd like to see us continue, uh, we are listener-supported, community-sponsored, and uh, non-corporate. This is uh, KBOO's All Thrills, No Frills Special Winter Drive programming. Help us lead our, reach our goal of $22,000 before March 16th. You can go to kboo.fm slash give or text KBOO to 44321. Check out our specials by going to kboo.fm slash Thrills. So they've been seeing how management responds at the bargaining table. How is the administration responding to the strike threat? And, and what do you expect from them? So we mostly see the response to the strike threat at the bargaining table. Um, we have seen some movement that's there, which is better than not having any for a month's on end. But we're still a long way off. Um, our, the, the, the various proposals that have been brought up, I believe that the, the majority of our articles that we're bargaining over are still open and only a few have been TA'd on at this point. And we're now at the point where we're having to head into mediation just to hope that the um, administration will start to take us seriously. Um, and that's why with these rallies, with the strike pledge together, 
we're hoping that they will take that seriously. And I believe that they're starting to. Um, we recently, with these various rallies and marches that we've been having at the um, various campuses, we've started to hear from some of the college saying like, hey, are you sure that you have permission to do this? And we're like, well, of course, like we work here, we're gonna be at our work sites. So we can tell that we're starting to create a scenario where they don't um, feel as comfortable as they did before. And we need them to know how uncomfortable we felt for all this time so we can get the contract that our classified workers need. Yeah, and I think that the strike pledge itself, um, we haven't put that forward to administration yet in like a powerful way. So the next board meeting is March 21st, and that is when we'll be presenting our strike pledge to the board. Um, and they're going to be extremely impressed with the numbers that are on there. And we're looking forward to that, but um, I don't know if it they feel it right now or if it's at the forefront of their minds, but it will be soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they'll feel it soon. So how are you preparing your members for a possible strike? And how was that influenced by recent events like the Portland Association of Teachers strike, the almost strike of Portland Public Schools classified staff, and the almost strike of my union, the PCC Federation of Faculty and Academic Professionals? We're coming at that from a multitude of ways. Um, we want to make sure that we, if we do have to go on strike, that we do so in a responsible way. And so we're having lots of one-on-one -on -one conversations with individuals talking about how we're going to support each other. We're also talking about what a strike threat actually means and how that can help bring us closer to a BAM resolution and about how long all these classified workers can keep working if we don't get a change, if we stay out of contract for another six months are we still going to be able to work there at all? And so in those cases with that, um, how are we going to support each other and bring that together? So we're having those conversations in a lot of these settings. Um, and we're having those one-on-one. -on -one. We're calling uh, our uh, members, we're tabling at all of the, the various campuses. And we've had uh, a couple online events um, that were very well attended by our members to talk to them to get their feedback and make sure it's a collaborative effort because if we are to go on strike that means that we are at that breaking point and that's a decision that our members are going to make that's not going to come from some like uh from the uh, from the union president it's not going to come from me it's going to be our members saying enough is enough and this can't go on anymore and we need this so we're making sure that they have all the information that they need to make that choice and as Meryl said through our strike pledge, a lot of our members have gotten that message and they are on board. Yeah, and for PCC, this was unprecedented territory. Like there has not been a strike in PCC history as far as I know. Um, but when we saw the Portland teachers stand up for themselves, that was incredibly inspiring. And then when we saw faculty and academic professionals here at our own college, also preparing for a strike, I think that that really expanded members' imaginations and sense of the opportunities available for them. It made us know what our power was. All right. Well, so how are you involving students, other unions, community members, in the push to get a fair contract? In a number of ways. At um, the March rally that we had um, yesterday, 
at our Southeast campus, we actually had an entire class of students come and join our march. Um, as we were marching around, one of the things that we were, um, in, that was told to us that we couldn't disrupt various areas. And so we had to be silent in areas. So some of the students spoke up for us as we were going through various areas. Um, so the, the um, students seem very on board and they're involved. We're still working on making sure we're connecting with them and making those um, various connections by reaching out to them, by going to their organizing bodies and speaking with them uh, through those methods to, to make sure that they have all the information that they can have. And so far we've only gotten positive responses from um, all of those conversations. As far as the larger labor community, we are meeting with uh, a number of um, various unions. We've also been trying to step up and organize and assist with others by showing up for them as our constitution lays out that, that we want to, to show that solidarity because that goes both ways. And we've been trying to make those connections and build them up for um, some time. And I think our plan is to continue to do that. Yeah, the outpouring of support we experienced at our marches was really powerful and inspiring. And we did share out like with our union affiliates about those marches and that they were happening. And it did make a difference to see like community members and other people from the labor community there with us and also students. The students were amazing. <laughs> um, just lots of little things happened. Like one, I was carrying a bunch of picket signs like to my car and I was kind of struggling and a student offered to help me carry them. And like, I don't know, the students are always I don't know. They're like the beating heart of PCC and it's lovely to see how much they support us. And I think that they also understand that our struggles will be their struggles. Like they're here at PCC to get a degree, to get a certificate and to get a better job. But if there aren't good union jobs out there, you know, it's going to be a harder world for them. And so we have many of the same struggles. You mentioned you'll be bringing strike pledge signatures to the board of directors. This is the publicly elected governing board of the college. What's your assessment of the board and the prospects for getting their support in transformative change for PCCFC? I think it depends on the um, specific board member. I, th I think that there are some board members who are on board, but maybe don't speak up as much. Um, and then there's others who are deferring to the administration a lot. Um, what we have seen is that one of the past board members, Michael Sonleitner, has been supporting us and has been showing up to our bargaining sessions, to our rallies and marching with us and speaking with us. So we do know that amongst that crowd, there is support for us. There's others speaking up there. But as part of their role on the board so far, they've been pretty tight-lipped about how their specific feelings on it. We hope that they're uh, re relaying some of the stories that our classified members have been sharing with them, though, um, because they're probably going to continue to hear more of them until we can get a fair contract and people can start to thrive in the work that they do every day. Yeah, the board meetings feel really surreal because there's a lot of, like, glossy marketing from, like, the president and her cabinet, and everything looks so glitzy and polished and you get the sense that maybe the board members are just eating that up or not looking beneath the surface. Like maybe they prefer that version of reality that they're seeing. And then the public comments open up and there's employees in there like 
pouring their hearts out and talking about how hard things are and how committed they are to students and making the college better. But, you know, things are just impossible and their voices aren't being heard. And and then the board meeting just kind of wraps up and and the cycle repeats itself the next month. And I just want to know that they're listening. Um, and I, I guess for me personally, I haven't felt it yet. Of course, a strike is a method to ramp up the pressure on the board to do the right thing. And how will uh, how will the strike do that? How will the strike impact and how will the strike impact students and other university workers and community members? Yeah, obviously a strike is a, is a um, disruption. And I don't want to like try to claim that it's not that. Like that is the, the point of, of doing that. But as Meryl mentioned earlier, for students also having the ability to go into jobs like the, like a good union job is important and having those uh, um, avenues available to them is important. I was a PCC student in the past. Um, I graduated from PCC in 2010 and went on and got my bachelor's degree. And by all accounts, I would be like a success case. And now I'm working and I'm struggling to like make my bills and still pay back my student loans because we aren't getting the, the, those fair wages. And I know that the students today who are working so hard for their futures want to have those positive futures as well. But I also think about what is what would the impact be if we don't get a good contract, if we don't go on strike, if, if it becomes to that point and we end up losing all of the good talent that we currently have taking care of our community and our students, what is the end result going to be on our community? Um, are we going to have people who are going through making sure that the grounds are safe, um, making sure that the food that they get to eat in the cafeteria is good to eat? Um, making sure that people get to class on time in the various shuttle buses. Um, who is going to be able to do that if we can't afford to continue to uh, to live um, and work at these jobs that we all care so much about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, classified employees were the ones that like open the gate so that people can drive into the parking lot. We're the ones that unlock the doors. Um, it's very hard to imagine anything functioning without classified employees. Um, even remote classes, like, do you need IT support? What if they're on strike? They're not going to answer the phone, you know? And so, yeah, I think that the work that we do is vital work, and students know it, and they feel it. Um, and... I hope that the board is noticing that as well and feeling the pressure. How can our listeners stay in touch with you, especially if they want to get involved in solidarity actions? I think the best way to find the contact info for all of our union is on our website, which is pccfce.org. And if you click through there, you'll be able to find everyone's email on there, including mine. And you can write to us about anything. I love chatting on email and writing ridiculously long emails, so feel free to send me some. Um, and then we have the upcoming board, meet, uh, board meeting that we've been speaking about on March 21st, where we plan to bring our strike pledge in and present that. Um, and PCC uh, has the board of directors who are elected and accountable to the community. So if you have thoughts about anything, then I think that that is an avenue through uh, various outreach that people ha are empowered to um, speak up. 
And And I'll also say that as the communications VP for our union, I write a newsletter and I also update our Facebook page. And so that's a great way for people to find us too. Um, The newsletter is predominantly classified employees, but if there are supporters, I'm happy to add them to the newsletter. And then the Facebook page is open so they can find us there and see what's going on. All right. PCCFCE.org. Yes. Right. Well, that wraps it up for this evening's show. 